Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Today I want to look at Psalm 97. Remember a couple weeks ago, we left off in the Psalms at Psalm 96, and we're in that section of the Psalms that they really are, the editor that put these Psalms together really is putting together Psalms thematically. And so we we left off looking at Psalm 96, and Psalm 97 kind of continues and extends further this right worship of Yahweh, the I am. The, the term Yahweh, God's name, the reason I harp on it over and over is because the Bible does. We can't read the Psalms and not see this Hebrew name for God. Now, we, we have to notice it because our English translators are doing something where they put it in all capital L-O-R-D. That's translating the Hebrew name Yahweh. Again, if you've been a part of this podcast, it sounds like I'm repeating myself over and over and over, and I am, because the Psalms are repeating this over and over and over. And I want to make sure we get it, and I want to make sure we really let the weight of it sink in when it comes to right worship, because the name of God, He is... Uh, is playing upon God calling himself the I am. Tell them I am sent you. When he says to Moses, when he reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And that is the term for God. It's the name of God. It's the only name for God in the Bible. God is a term. uh, The Lord with the lowercase l-o-r-d is a term that means ruler, king, owner. But Yahweh is God's name. And that's the reference for God in the Old Testament more than any other term uh, used, more than we see the word God or any other term for God. We see God's name far more. And Psalm 96 used God's name 11 times in the 13 verses. That emphasizes that right worship is focusing on God as the I am. And so Psalm 97 picks up and does the exact same thing. The very first words in Psalm 97 are the Hebrew word Yahweh, the Lord, reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Now that term coastlands is in the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew idea of the ends of the earth, the farthest places. And the reason why this is important, this idea of understanding this term Yahweh, that he reigns, that we rejoice in who he is, let the entire world, let the entire earth, the farthest places rejoice that Yahweh reigns, is this idea of, of right worship, that, that we're, we order our lives rightly and our loves get ordered rightly, our desires get ordered rightly. Our, our longings, our affections get ordered rightly by right worship. Worship, remember we said in Psalm 96, is ascribing worth to God, that he is worth it. Whatever it takes to pursue God, to know God, to see God, to see our lives in the context of who God is, God is worth it. God is worth whatever it costs to obey. God is worth whatever it costs to seek. 
And so prayer in this podcast, we're wanting to have conversations with God. We're wanting to set aside time for prayer. Prayer is ultimately worship. We're worshiping God. We're rightly worshiping God. We're, we're doing what Jesus said the Father seeks when Jesus said in John 4, 23 through 24, that this is these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks, those who worship him in spirit, or we could say by the spirit. You could translate that by the spirit and, and in truth. And that's what we want to do. We want to worship by the Holy Spirit. We want to worship in truth. We want to worship in a way that brings life and light and joy into our lives by coming into the presence of God in a worshipful way. And the Psalms help us to do that. So remember Psalm 96, verse 8 said, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Now that we we should mention this, uh, that that Hebrew word glory, kavod, literally means weight. And so when we're, we're worshiping God, we're ascribing worth to God, and we're ascribing the glory due his name, Yahweh, the I am, the weight of his name. He is weightier. He matters most. He is more significant, most significant than anything else. And so we're ascribing the glory due his name, the name, the I am. And so verse 9, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This is all back in Psalm 96. And so we're ascribing to God. We're speaking of God's worth, speaking to ourselves and speaking to God. So now in Psalm 97, the Lord reigns, Yahweh reigns, let the earth rejoice. The entire world is going to be renewed and restored to right worship and restored with the glory the worth, the beauty, the splendor of God's holiness, the splendor of God's radiance. So verse 2, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. He reigns in righteousness. He reigns in justice. That's the foundation of his throne. And this is good news because right now we're sort of living in occupied territory is the best way to think of it. There are false gods Uh, Something happened, we don't quite know it, but something happened in the spiritual world where angelic-type beings rebelled against God long ago. Satan is the chief of them. And there are demons, there are, this is all sounding strange to people who have been raised in a naturalistic culture, but this is the worldview of the Bible. There are spiritual beings that are false gods that are in rebellion against God, and this is the the place that we live in. This is the world right now, but the earth has a bigger story that is unfolding. The IEM has become human to take back the earth, to give it to its rightful owners, those created in God's image, to rule over the earth, to exercise dominion in the image of God, to care and continue God's work of creation. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, Jesus came to take back what God had decreed the earth to be. He is bringing back his kingdom of righteousness and justice and light and love and glory. And so verse 5, we come in worship before the Lord of all the earth. Now that's the lowercase L-O-R-D. That just means Adonai in Hebrew, not Yahweh. That's the owner, the ruler, 
the king, and he is king over all the earth, even though it's right now in occupied territory of false gods, rebellion against God. God is still the owner. God is still the king. He's still the ruler. And we can trust him because he reigns. He is in charge. He is in control. Things seem chaotic. Things seem out of control in our lives. But we, when we worship, remind ourselves that we can trust the I am who reigns and we can have peace and we can have joy because he's in charge and he controls everything. Since Jesus came and he has given us because he's risen from the dead, he says he has given us his Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of God is always present with us. The Holy Spirit of God is always in control of every detail in our lives. The Lord reigns. The Lord owns and he is king and the whole earth can rejoice and we can have this rejoicing in peace, shalom, joy, contentment, even when things seem chaotic and dark and out of control. Verse 6, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all the people see his glory. Again, there's that Hebrew word for kavod, his weight, his significance, that the universe was created by this God, and he is a God who is more significant, more weighty, more worth it, more glorious than any being we can possibly imagine. The God that created this universe. And it says, remember in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that everyone is without excuse because we should look at the universe and know that the God that created this universe is a God who is eternal. We know something about his character. We know about his power. And here it says the universe proclaims, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. Not just our conscience tells us of the righteousness of God, but the universe itself tells us of the splendor of his righteousness, the splendor of his holiness. Everything he does is right. But verse 7, all worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Here's a significant verse that we read a lot of verses like this. We saw in Psalm 29 a long time ago, verse 1, ascribe to Yahweh, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. These heavenly beings, these spiritual beings who have, whether they are angels who have not rebelled or whether they're angels who have, the Bible is calling all angelic beings to worship God, worship the Lord, worship Yahweh. And these false gods, this, te- this verse is saying you should be worshiping the creator of the universe. You should be worshiping your creator. Now they won't. These false gods won't. First Corinthians 10, 20 The Apostle Paul says that idols are nothing. I mean, a literal idol is nothing. It's just a a statue or a piece of metal or a piece of wood or stone or whatever. But he says that he says in verse 20, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. So those who worship idols are actually worshiping demons. They don't know it but they're worshiping fallen spiritual beings that are in rebellion against God, and they're behind all the idols. And so this psalm in verse 7 is telling us that the worship of images 
is really the worship of false gods, but these gods should be worshiping Yahweh. They owe their existence to Yahweh. But when we worship these worthless idols, it's only going to bring shame. Remember Psalm 96 verse 5 says that he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. God's the only one who actually makes things. False idols, these demons, these False gods don't make anything. They're fakes. They're images. They hijack what God has made. They hijack and imitate, but they don't, they're not the real thing. They just pretend they are something, but they're fakes. They're fake images, but they made nothing. God has made everything. God made the universe, but false gods are worthless. There's, there's, there's no worth it to pursuing them because it will always end in shame. They're unable to help. They are worthless, gloryless, weightless, without any significance. They're fake. Now the spiritual beings are real, but they're fake in what they pretend to be. If we saw them as they really are, we would never want to follow them. But they pretend to be something we want. They pretend to be something we need. So whatever the false idol is that you're pursuing to give your life meaning, there's a demon behind it fooling you, tricking you, faking you. You're not meaning to worship the demon, but that's what you're doing when something else is more worth it to you than Yahweh, the I Am. When that false idol becomes what gives your life significance, what makes your life seem worth it, that gives your life meaning, that you have to have, that seems worth it more than Yahweh is. You have to have it in your mind to be happy, to have joy. But it's a fake. And it's a fake of a false God who is trying to trick you, but will leave you in shame. And it's a dead end. It's trying to hijack you out of God's bigger and better story by pretending to be something you want, pretending to be something you need. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's an excitement about a relationship that's not good for you, whether it's about this pursuing your own inner desires as the real you, somehow that's what's going to make you happy. Somehow that's what's going to bring your life joy, purpose, meaning these are, these are idols. These are false. They're images. They're hijacking you. They're fake. But God made the universe. The glory of the God that made the universe is the only glory that's worth it, that's worthy of our worship, our devotion, our love. He's the one who's the source of life. He's the one who's the source of light. He's the one who's the source of joy. And so we worship him in spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and in truth. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. He has a plan for the earth because he owns it. He created it. He still has a plan to bring it under the rule of human beings created in his image and the perfect human being being Jesus Christ and we being restored in Christ by our death that he died for us and by our resurrection, a reboot. His resurrection is the first of that. So verse 9, for you, O Lord, you, Yahweh, the I Am, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. 
Again, the Bible has this worldview that these false gods, these spiritual beings are imitating, they're faking us. But the real God, Yahweh, the creator, the owner, the one who made everything is most high over all. He is exalted far above all these imitations, all these fakes, all these false gods, these worthless idols, these demons who are trying to trick us. So verse 10, O you who love Yahweh, love the Lord, hate evil. Evil is the opposite of all that God is. Evil is the opposite of light. Evil is the opposite of life. Evil is the opposite of joy. It's an imitation. It's a fake. It's an image that's only going to leave you in shame. But when you love Yahweh, devote yourself to Yahweh, worship Yahweh because he's worth it. We learn to hate evil. Our affections change. Our desires change. So we see evil as it really is. It's a decreation of all that God has created. It's a dehumanizing of the human beings God has made us to be. It's a deconstruction of the glory and the beauty that God intended for his creation. The verse continues. He preserves the lives of his saints He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Certainly the wicked here are these false gods who are trying to imitate Yahweh and steal us out of God's story. But God preserves the lives. Now here's the thing. When it says he preserves the lives of his saints, that's the translator translating that Hebrew word nephesh. Patrick did a podcast on this recently in our other podcast, 10 Minute Bible Talks. Something we've said here in the past as well is that the idea of our lives, uh, sometimes that's translating the Hebrew word nephesh, which means our soul. It's also translating soul. Uh, We are souls. We don't have souls. We are souls. The souls are us. And so he preserves the souls of his saints would be another way to translate that. He preserves the nephesh, the real you of his saints. Now, we are saints in the sense that we are holy ones. Saints aren't special people who are given holidays or calendars or medals or things like that. That's human traditions that have distorted this biblical word. The biblical word just means people who are holy. And we know that the gospel tells us we are holy in Christ, but also we are holy in Christ when we want to be holy. We want to be a holy person. This is part of what it means to be in Christ as we are pursuing him. And so God preserves the soul. He preserves the real you. When you worship him in spirit and truth, he delivers the real you from the hand of the wicked. Jesus' very name is he delivers. Yeshua, the Hebrew word for he delivers. It's become Jesus over the years of transliteration and translation. You know how names are and, and, and languages change. But Jesus was actually named Joshua, Yeshua, which means he delivers. And so God preserves the souls of his holy ones in Christ. He delivers in Christ from the hand of the wicked. This is the bigger story your life is in, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 11, light is sown for the righteous, and we are righteous in Christ but we also want righteousness. We're righteous when we want to pursue righteousness, but we know that we're never going to be 100% righteous this side of the resurrection. That's why we need a resurrection. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. 
We want to worship God in spirit and truth because we want him to change by his Holy Spirit. We want him to change our heart more and more so that we become more and more upright in heart, that we more and more hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to be holy. Verse 12, rejoice in Yahweh. Rejoice in the I am, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name, the I am. We give thanks to his holy, glorious, splendor, radiant name, the I am. Now, when you read verses like verse 10, and it says, O you who love the Lord, immediately we, we, we sense that we don't love the Lord enough. And, and, it, and we, want, we wonder if this verse is talking about us. And I, I just let me just admit to you that whenever somebody asks if I love the Lord, I don't know how to answer because I know in so many ways I love other things too that are contrary to the Lord. And I don't want to. I want to love the Lord more than anything else. But I, I, it's confusing because if love is an emotion, my emotion isn't always there. Maybe that's you too. But I remember our sermon series on love out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And remember, we kept saying love is not an emotion that we're trying to have. It's an action we're trying to do. All the descriptions of love in 1 Corinthians 13 were verbs. Doesn't come across that way in the English translation, but they're all verbs. They're things that we do. We commit ourselves to doing. And so when I think of it that way, it helps me that I love the Lord when I commit myself to want to love the Lord. I commit myself to want to hate evil, to to want holiness, to want righteousness, to want to be upright in heart, to give thanks to his holy name to rejoice in him, and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I love Yahweh when I love that he is the I am, that I, I, I give thanks to his holy name, that he is the source of all existence, and he is the giver and author of all life, and he is the one who is always 100% present with me by his Holy Spirit. I love that he is the I am. I love that, and so I love the Lord. I love righteousness. I, I know that righteousness is the absence of evil, the absence of wickedness, the absence of decreation, and the absence of dehumanization, and the absence of deconstructing what God is building. And I, I hate those things, and so I, I love righteousness. I want to live in God's rightness glory, splendor, righteousness. I love the Lord when I love justice because I want justice to be done. Justice in the sense that evil is not winning in the day, that people are treated with the dignity of being created in the image of God, that the wicked don't win because of bribery or because of greed or because of some corruption. I love the I am because I love that he reigns and rules over everything. He's in charge. He's in control. I love that he created the entire universe and he has this incredibly glorious plan for the universe. And I see his righteousness in the universe and his glory in the universe, his splendor, the splendor of his holiness and beauty and goodness. I love that he will remove all evil when he comes, and all imitations, all tricks, all worthless idols, all wickedness. 
I love that he is the most high and he is far above anything else. And so he is the one who's worthy of my worship. He's the one who's worth it, whatever sacrifice I have to make for obedience. He's worth it because he is the most high and he is far above anything else. All evil is a flawed worship. It's a trick. It's an image. It's a fake Evil makes nothing, it decreates everything, it deconstructs, it hijacks, it imitates. Paul says all false worship is the worship of demons. All evil is flawed worship, but I want to worship the I am in the spirit, by the spirit, and in truth. I love that he preserves me, the real me. He preserves me. He promises to preserve me. I love that he delivers me because Jesus's name is he delivers. He delivers me in Christ from all wickedness. He delivers me from all evil. He preserves my soul, the real me. I love his light, that he brings light. And I want light because light is how I see reality, and light is joy, and light gives life. It brightens. And I love that he is the source of all light. As it says in verse 11, light is sown, and joy is brought by God for the righteous and for the upright in heart. I love that he is the source of joy and the source of light. And so I rejoice in Yahweh, And I give thanks to his holy name. And I pray by the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to worship you. Help me to worship the I am by your Holy Spirit and in truth. Help me to worship in a way that changes my affection so that I love righteousness more and more. That I would love being upright in heart. That I would love holiness more and more and that I would hate evil, that I would see evil for what it is, the worthless idols for the trick that they are, that I would see their schemes and see their tricks and hate evil, see evil as its decreation and dehumanizing, humanization and deconstructing of what God has created to bring light and life and joy, that evil is the opposite of all that God is, But it's a trick. It's worthless. It brings nothing but shame. It hijacks me out of this great story that God has for the earth, has for creation, and wants me to be in. It makes nothing. It tricks everything. But God is the one who made everything. He made the universe. The I am is the one who's made the earth and he's made the universe and he has made me and he has made even these false gods and the false gods should be worshiping Yahweh. I want to worship Yahweh in the spirit and in truth. I praise you, God, because you reign. Yahweh, you reign over all the earth. And so I rejoice. Let the entire earth rejoice. And I want to rejoice with the entire world. I want to rejoice in your righteousness and your justice as the foundation of your rule, the foundation of your throne. You are Lord over all creation. You are Lord over all the earth. Jesus said, Father, Lord of heaven, the heavens and the earth. You are the owner of all creation, the universe, the earth, everything in the earth, 
everything that exists in the spirit world, everything that exists in the material world, you are owner, you are ruler, you are king, and I can trust you. I can trust you with every detail. I can have shalom. I can have peace. I can have joy because your Holy Spirit is always in me and always present, and you are always ruling. You are always reigning. You are always in charge and in control. The heavens, the universe itself proclaims your righteousness, displays your glory, and all people see your glory, even if they don't know it, even if they don't acknowledge it, even if they're blinded to it. I look up in the stars and I see your glory. The more we see photos of galaxies, we see your glory and your power and your righteousness, that you are right in everything you do. You are the one who creates and evil decreates. Righteousness is part of your creation. Evil dehumanizes, but righteousness makes us more and more human. Evil deconstructs, but righteousness builds and creates because you are the creator. And we look up and see your universe, the universe you created, and we see your righteousness and your glory. We reject false worship in our lives. I reject the images that have stolen me from your story, images that are fake, images that bring shame, worthless idols. I reject them in my life and I find my meaning in life from you my significance comes from you my joy comes from you you satisfy my desires you fulfill my longings you are the most high over all and you are exalted far above all gods far above anything else you are worthy and worth it more than anything or anyone else and so i love you yahweh and i hate evil because you preserve my life you preserve my soul and you bring holiness in my life into me you deliver me from wickedness you deliver me from evil because your very name jesus is he delivers and you bring life You are the light of the world, and light is sown in my life by you and by your Holy Spirit. You bring joy into my life as you change my heart and make me more and more a heart that seeks after you. And so I rejoice in you, Lord. I rejoice in you, and I give thanks to your holy name. You are the I Am, the creator, the source of all that exists. You are the I Am existence itself, being itself. You are the I am, the giver of all life, the author of all life, and you give me life. You are the I am who is always present with me 100%, and I worship you. You are worthy. I rejoice in you and give thanks to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.